Well, the point is, and the officer's point was true. You would have had time to stop. That's going to take you at least an hour. You're going to eat your dinner. You know, that's that's a good interval. So. <laughs> Depends on how many drinks you've had, Chris. Uh, you're smart, serve certified. How, how long do you need to wait to metabolize one uh, unit of alcohol? Well, uh, smart serve would tell you that for an average sized male, you can consume one unit of alcohol per hour, up to five hours. So that's uh, that's that. I think this part's getting cut, but it's such a fucking good story. <laughs> it is a great story. <laughs> Welcome to the Toronto Beer Podcast with me, Chris Schreier, and my co-host, Mandy Murphy. How you doing, Mandy? I'm good, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing good now. Um, you know, th those of you listening at home, for one, you're probably noticing it's a Monday, not a Friday, that you were allowed to access this uh, fantastic podcast that we put together for you every two weeks. Um, that's we could pretend that was intentional that we decided, uh, you know, during the summer, you got weekends, you're going to the cottage, it's pretty busy, whatever. But like come Monday, you're really bored and want something to do. So we've started releasing it on Monday and that sounds really good. But the truth is, we actually tried to record this three times this week and all three times something went wrong and we weren't able to do it. But here we are. It is now Saturday morning at 942 a.m. And uh, we are finally recording this, so I'm feeling really good to be doing it. I joked, I've got a new microphone set up, and I was joking with Mandy that it was just fate wasn't letting us record until I was sitting in front of this beautiful new road podcaster mic on a beautiful broadcast arm that makes me feel like I'm in a radio station. So, so I feel great. How about you? I'm great, Chris. I'm glad we're finally able to get to this. I wish you hadn't blown, uh, blown our cover there. I like the sounds of just releasing the podcast on Monday morning uh, as a strategic thing rather than a mess up and us not being able to get to the record uh, all week long. But I guess uh, we can be honest and truthful with the listeners and it's not a bad thing to do. I think honesty um, is the best policy. It, it is. I agree. And uh, I'm curious about your new, your new mic over there. What are you going to do with your extra hand freedom? Open some beers? Yeah, yeah definitely. I plan to. In fact, I, I'm just looking at the beer I'm drinking, which I'll tell you all about in a second. And it's getting pretty low. But uh, because now I'm recording uh, at my main sort of desk, which is in my bedroom, which is immediately next to my beer fridge, um, I can just I can now just reach in and pull out a beer for for re beer. You know, I don't have to get up and leave and make you talk to people alone. That's pretty handy. I like it. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked about it myself. So speaking of which, I've got I'm drinking what I think could be the perfect breakfast beer for this year or forever, really. Uh, I'm having an Amsterdam Brewing Sweetwater Squeeze, which of course is a, uh, a Rattler they make with blood orange soda that they produce themselves. And uh, I actually don't don't know what the base beer is. I don't have the can with me. I don't know if it's just blonde or if they make a different beer. I'm not sure. But anyway, it's delicious and fruity and uh, it's only 3.8% alcohol. So it's a good way to start the day considering I started drinking this at about 8.40 a.m. And uh, so yeah, we're doing good. Are you consuming something or are you being very socially responsible and drinking a cup of coffee? I am consuming something and it is a type of brew, but uh, I have to admit it is coffee. I'm not, not drinking a beer. It's a coffee stout, did you say? Uh, yeah, we'll go with that. It's coffee stout. Uh, house house brewed coffee stout that sounds delicious it's homebrew yeah nice uh so hey how is your ocb week because this it feels like a long time ago now but this is the first podcast after ocb week ended ocb week was fun it's always a lot of fun um i have to admit as much fun as it is it really does wipe me out i 
guess I'm getting old or I don't know, out of practice, but it's, it's a lot of drinking and event attending in one week. And we didn't even have a, a very busy OCB week compared to most, but uh, I don't know, it really, it really, really wiped me out. So I'm thankful for the extra, the extra time this week to get to the podcast because uh, I was just in no frame of mind to do it with you on Monday. <laughs> Yeah, for real. I, I, you know, it's funny. I, I was actually in the exact same space because I'd done, I think I told everyone I was doing like two barbecues, two days in a row. And so Saturday I did a barbecue and then Sunday I did another barbecue. And, and as you talked about, I did actually make it with the whole family over to the beaches barbecue and uh, Bruce fest. But, uh, I was like, I fell asleep at home at probably seven thirty PM and Erica woke me up to move to bed, I think, uh, because I was just out. I was so tired. And Monday I was a bit better, but I, I, yeah, I could have done with the extra time. So, so that was good. Uh, what was your top event? Oh, by far, it would have to be the, um, the event that we did down at the Renaissance Hotel in the Rogers Center. It was, I thought it was going to be a, a cool event. I thought it was going to be a lot of fun, but they really, the team down at the Renaissance at the Ariba restaurant totally exceeded our expectations. They killed it with the the pairings, and they're just such a professional staff. Uh, the game, we had no idea how a beer dinner would go during a game, right? Like, you have no idea if the game's going to go way longer than the dinner, or if the dinner's going to go way longer than the game, if it's going to be a good and entertaining game. Uh, and they ended up finishing just around the exact same time. Um, the Jays won. It's like, it really couldn't, we couldn't have planned it to, to go off as well as it did. Um, it was just a ton of fun. I can't wait to do another event or dinner with them. It was really, really a great atmosphere and totally different for a beer dinner. Like Chris at beer dinners, you know, you usually sit around, have great conversation with the people you're at with your tape at your table. You listen to the brewmaster, the people from the brewery give little spiels for each course. Um, and you just end up having a jolly good time, but a beer dinner during a game was like logistically a bit of a crazy thing to pull off because there was the excitement of the game going on and you were also trying to get in the conversation around the beer and the food. Um, so it was a, a little bit more like energetic and chaotic than a beer dinner would normally be, but it ended up being really unique and really fun. We'll have to get you to come down to the, the next one we do. We'll definitely be doing it again. I love that a place that is not like a, a classically thought of beer type place not only did like a pairing dinner, but really, uh, you know, knocked it out of the park, could you say? Um, but, uh, you know, because you think about beer dinners, like places like Beer Bistro and um, Kaylee Cottage, obviously, always does a really fantastic job at that sort of thing. And, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think a, a hotel place would would be, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say able. I mean, they're all professionals, I'm sure, but that it wouldn't have been something necessarily they would do, but they that they did it well. That's fantastic. So I actually barely got out in OCB week. I went to the uh, I went to the pub crawl, which I texted you or messaged you about, and uh, and and I went and I just showed up at uh, at at the only the, the last stop and waited around for like an hour hour and twenty minutes and uh, you know friend of the show Chris Grimley turned up and uh, we hung out because he'd bailed because he said the whatever the previous stop was was just really crowded and he just wasn't feeling it and so he came over to the only before everyone else but uh, the pub crawl still hadn't made it uh, to the only by quarter past 11 when I decided to knock it on the head and go home so I was on the pub crawl just not with anybody else who also was on the pub crawl it was a bit of a bit of a strange situation but uh and that was about it for me aside from the beaches barbecue and beer fest those that's awfully that was, late you said they got to the only around eleven thirty. 30 i don't know because i was gone i left at eleven fifteen. yeah Whew. 
I know they were supposed to be there at 10. So that was that was my OCB week. Uh, nobody came up to me and said, hey, I listened to the podcast. Put me in the contest. Did anyone say that to you? No, nobody. Well, that saves us time and effort generating prizes. That's good. Uh, if you're listening to this and you wanted to get into the contest, too bad. Maybe we'll do another one sometime. But uh, yeah, that was that was an interesting experiment. Uh, hey, I've been noticing some pretty cute pictures, some more pretty cute pictures. I'm sorry to keep banging on about your dog, but my gosh, that's a cute dog. Don't apologize. I'm happy to talk to talk about Wrigley for the entire podcast. In fact, we should do one episode. It's just 100% Wrigley all the time. Maybe we could actually get him on and like get him to like, you know, snuffle into the mic and maybe bark and, you know, he'll probably will shake his ears and make that flappy leathery ear sound, you know? I'm sure we, I'm sure that can be arranged. We could work on that, eh? Uh, when, when is pickup? When do you get him? Uh, we pick him up tomorrow afternoon, so Sunday afternoon. So by the time this airs, he will be, uh, he'll be home with us and we'll probably be cuddling, um, maybe Cleaning playing with some chew toys on the floor and doing some photo shoots, generally looking adorable. When is his first trip to the brewery? Is that going to be Monday? Uh, it'll be right on Sunday. We're going to, we'll take him there right away because we have some, there, right? some work to do there on Sunday. So we'll go there. He's, uh, he's going to have two homes sort of, right? He'll spend a lot of time at the brewery and he'll spend a lot of time at home with us, but we spend more time at the brewery than we do at home. So he'll have sort of two sets of everything. We'll be, we'll create trade names. We'll have a crate at each home, a bed at each home, uh, some toys at each home, food, dishes and everything. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been an exercise in gathering two sets of everything, which is kind of fun. It's like having twins. Yeah. That, by the way, was an Amsterdam bone shaker, because now that I've had breakfast, it's time to get serious about beer. Well, I'm excited. I might even bring the kids by the brewery on Monday, because it's, I think it's important to socialize puppies with other puppies, uh, in this case, human puppies. And also, I think my kids would go crazy. So if he's if he's ready for socialization on Monday, we'll come by, and I'll also come by and buy some beer, because I do love that beer. Yeah, that sounds great. We uh, we agree. We're going to social try to socialize him as much as possible, as early as possible, so ex- get him to experience as many different crazy things as we can uh, as early as possible without stressing him out. So it'll be a bit of a balance, but we're excited, really excited. As a family, and, and we don't have dogs right now, but we've had dogs in the past, we actually are big, uh, big proponents of this idea that especially if you have kids and dogs, the most important training that you do is actually training the kids. It's not so much the dogs. And uh, so for us, this is as much about socializing grace around puppies and being like, yes, darling, they are adorable. No, they are not stuffed animals. You can mm-hmm. hurt them. Don't stick your fingers in their eyes and stuff like that. So it's all part of the process. But that's very, very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, we're going to get to the business now. That, I think that's it for ketchup. I had that we have the Saison tasting, but that is happening from time of recording in like five hours. So that's going to be long gone by the time this goes live. So are, we're you, gonna, uh, are you willing to share what which Saisons you'll be tasting? I am. That? Well, there's one... I got to find out. I got to send a message after this and see if it came in. But um, the five that I know we're doing are um, uh, Nickelbrook, Paisan Saison. Amsterdam Leaf Hop Saison, um, uh, Black Oak Summer Saison, that's going to be on cask, pretty sweet, um, Saison Dupont and uh, Saint-Fouillon, I think you say, both are Belgian, and then the the hanger right now is, uh, I'm, I'm 
I'm told that we're getting some Cezanne from Collingwood. Of course, this is the, I believe it was silver medal winner at the CBAs. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I think it was, it could very well be the first one that I, I coordinated for the tasting. But I haven't heard definitively yet whether or not it came in. It, it was meant to. So if that's not in, then, and I feel bad even saying this is like a fallback, but then of course we'll do Sunlight Park because we have it on draft. And uh, I might even do a little amuse-bouche for the tasters of Sunlight Park just to wet their whistles, as it were, before the tasting starts. Because right now at Castro's, we are blessed with having too many saisons, if that's such a thing. That's not such a thing as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I don't think so either. And the good news is I bought lots of a couple of the uh, the saisons on the tasting. So even after the tasting, even though as you listen to this, that tasting has already happened, you are welcome to come in and and try some of our fantastic selection of saisons, um, especially, oh man, those saison DuPont bottles. Like, I mean, I love sporting local. I love you guys. I love I love everybody in Ontario that makes a good saison. But man, saison DuPont is that is something that is worth ten bucks a bottle. So uh, anyway, let's let's move along and let let's get uh, let's get controversial. You know, here's here's where we're at. Okay, um, you know, uh, gay marriage just approved in uh, in the U.S., making it all of North America. Fantastic news. Um, you know, we've got. Uh, We've got we've got an election coming up in Canada in, in October, and we've got this article in the Globe and Mail that says that this pursuit of super hobby beers might be dulling our beer palates. Did you actually get a chance to read this article, Mandy? Yeah, I, I did. Um, I don't know. I firstly, I I can't compare the election in Canada and the. Uh, the news about gay marriage in the U.S., which is just absolutely amazing, uh, to this silly article about hop stelling our palates. <laughs> wait a I minute. Think, wait a I minute. I think they are completely, completely. Uh, they're they're not even on the same on the same level. Not even close. This is let's, huge. Let's stelling just, our palates. Come on. No, I know you're you're being facetious, but let's just uh, roll back a little bit and talk about how amazing that that news is. Like, how did you how did you receive the news of it? From the U.S. yesterday. Oh, well, I was actually, I was hanging out with the kids all day because school's out now. So I was hanging out with Ben and Grace. And actually, we were at Sky Zone. That's that trampoline place right next to uh, Amsterdam. And um, uh, I was just checking my Facebook feed. And I'd even forgotten that, it, that the news was coming in. And uh, and yeah, so that's huge. It's funny, though. Um, honestly, I, I don't want to trivialize it, but I'm actually not that surprised. I know... I know it's the U.S. and they're really conservative and all that sort of stuff, but I think there was already enough precedent from other uh, examples um, at state level that really I, I couldn't see them not uh, not doing it. And of course, I'm also not even remotely surprised that places like Mississippi and Louisiana and Texas are saying, "Well, we don't have to follow this. We're we're free to set our own laws," which of course is a gross misrepresentation of the truth. But they're I mean, they're running scared right now because uh, the the married gay folks are coming for your children. But I was pretty stoked. How about you? Were you were you intentionally watching, or did you just kind of all of a sudden see the flood on on Instagram or Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter or whatever? Yeah, I had completely same as you. I had completely forgotten that there was any news to be expected at all. Um, my life the past little while has just been like sort of head down in in beer, and I. Ha- 
I haven't been driving anywhere listening to the news. I haven't had a great deal of time to to read news that's not beer related. And so I completely forgotten this was happening. And I was actually, I guess I was probably a little bit more surprised than, than you were. I was definitely more surprised than, than you were. I didn't necessarily see this coming, but like I said, I hadn't had a ton of time to, to, to spend on learning, I guess, background. I think my favorite part about all of it is there was immediately a flood of tweets and of course somebody's, you know, storified it or whatever, but, uh, all these people being like, that's it. America's going to hell in a handbasket, gay marriage. I can't believe this. I'm moving to Canada, which is of course fantastic. Actually, one of the best tweets in response to that I saw was like to everybody in the United States fed up with gay marriage, moving to Canada. I wanted to let you know they're having a big party for you this weekend in Toronto, which of course is. <laughs> I didn't see that one. That's a good one. It's it's pretty funny. That was yeah, that's great. Uh, I, I like that a lot. Okay, we got to get back to the politics of the, the the matter though, which is are we ruining our palates with aggressively hopped beers? And of course, I'm I am saying this on thin ice as I am sipping a delicious bone shaker from the Amsterdam Brewing Company right in Leaside, Ontario. So, what do you think? I think it's nonsense. I think it's complete complete nonsense. I think there are some fairly unbalanced opinions presented uh, in the specific article that we're referring to, things like uh, brewers are just trying to out-hop each other. I don't believe for one second that that's true. I think uh, if you give it some perspective, think about brewers and how often they are consuming other beers from other breweries and experimenting with different styles. Um, They're just spending a, a great deal of time, more time than the general public with beer and with interesting and um i guess pretty experimental beer yeah and uh i think that that just means that their their palates are probably at a different place than the the general public right um so they're not trying to out hop each other they they're just i guess pushing the the boundaries and pushing the limits of what what beer should be and they they probably desire flavors that are a little bit more out there than than does the general public. I don't know if I'm explaining myself very well, but I don't I don't think for one second brewers are saying, oh, let's just like out hop each other. We'll beat each other with IBUs. I know that that sort of competitive nature probably does exist to a very small degree between a very very small percentage of brewers, but I think generally brewers are seeking balanced and delicious beers. Yeah, I. Okay, so I totally agree. I think I actually think the article is stupid and clickbaity and also really, really old news because people have been saying the same thing since like the early 2000s. Um, so that's that's for a start, although to devil's advocate a little bit. And I don't think it's necessarily the point. Um, what's his name? Uh, John Suffren was trying to make. But I will say this. I have been dis, disheartened at times listening to sort of the the uber beer people, not brewers, but the fans, right? Hearing people who identify as being, you know, big craft beer drinkers disparaging beers like Steam Whistle, right? Like Boston Lager from uh, Boston Brewing Company, Sam Adams, Um 
as being and and the problem they the language they will use is they'll say it's a bad beer and they are confusing their subjective opinion of taste versus an objective uh, production of beer and i will say that i think people getting access to really big hoppy beers has for some people maybe not changed their palate but it's made them stupid about beer where to them now the only good thing is a really hoppy beer and and so I think that, the, that to some extent that does exist in, in the population. And actually, it can be problematic for a brewery that wants to make a really solid Pilsner or like, you know, uh, uh, like a really rock solid German style wheat beer, for instance, where, you know, the really geeky people are like, oh, this isn't very good. And it's like, no, no, you're you're you don't think it's fits what you want in a beer. That doesn't mean it's a bad beer. And that creates some problems. But. But I think for the most part, the article was, like I said, clickbaity and stupid and unnecessary. So I'm glad we covered that. <laughs> that, by the way, was the only real kind of beer news thing I could find this week. I normally kind of troll Reddit and Bartal and a couple of other places looking for like chat worthy articles. And there's normally a few. But this week was uh, was not a stellar week for beer news, unfortunately, although, as noted, big week for other news. But, uh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just on that point, Chris, I, I'd been doing the same thing all week, trying to find something to talk about on the podcast. And there was a CBC News article. Uh, the headline reads, microbreweries not a pint-sized industry anymore. I'm like, give me a break. <laughs> this is not news, people. We're really grasping. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, they're right. It isn't and hasn't been for like 10 years. So way to keep up on the ball with that one, CBC. Uh, although, so now I want to move into, because we were talking about... Um, hoppy beers and so i put and, and this might become a thing we might try and do like a, a top three or something like that you know somewhat regularly on different topics and so this this inaugural possibly final iteration of the chris and mandy top three i want to talk about and i put in the show notes top three ipas ever in the world and history go that's ex exactly the words i used and uh, did you have time to think and prepare on this or do you want me to go first I did, but I really, I really suck at narrowing a list to just three. I hate following those. I'm generally a rule follower. I love following rules, but I just, I can't narrow it down to three IPAs. So I, I have a couple different categories of three. I hope that's okay. Do you want to go first and, and do that then? Uh, sure. Yeah, I can go first. So okay. I've, this is so tough, Chris. So I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm going to talk about some of my favorite IPAs, I guess, from the U.S., and then talk about IPAs from Ontario. And you know what? I actually shouldn't do that because I, I guess that implies that there are, those IPAs should compete on a different level from one another, and I don't believe that's true. Like we've talked about oh. in previous podcasts. So let me just give me a second. I'm going to narrow this down, and I'm going to pick just the three from the uh, U.S. and Canada combined. Do you want me to go first, though? Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to take a minute to rearrange my lists. Okay, so for me. And, and anybody who, you know, has done a tasting with me or whatever knows that this is a big, big piece of my opinion on, on beers is objectively, there are certainly, you know, there are things you can rate beers on in numerical scales and stuff like that. And they're all well and fine, but they don't interest me too much. That's like telling me that the car I'm buying can do like zero to 60 in six seconds or something like that. Those numbers don't actually mean anything in the real world or to me. I'm, I'm much more interested in like how it feels and how it makes me feel and stuff like that. So beer and favorite beers to me is like an issue of place and time. 
So with that in mind, my three favorite IPAs. The first one, I even I think spoke about this in the last episode, and I couldn't tell you the exact first time it happened, but certainly the very first time I was handed a can or a bottle or whatever of Bone Shaker off of the packaging line at Amsterdam, so right out of the tank. That would have been the first time I ever had an IPA out of a tank. And the flavor explosion in my mouth was just probably unlike anything I'd ever had before. And so that, for me, Bone Shaker, out of the tank, that's that's number one. Number Chris, that wasn't yeah. a uh, predictable answer at all. I, didn't I know. know you, I didn't know you liked Bone Shaker. Really? Yeah. Huh. This episode of Toronto Beer Podcast, by the way, brought to you by Chris's in, endearing and ever-burning passion for Amsterdam Bone Shaker. Um, so that's number one. Number two is going to be probably... We were living, we lived for a while um, in a house on a street in the beach called Glen Manor, and we were right by the lake. It was very beautiful, and we're very sad to have to leave that place. But uh, it was, that to me was some of the best summers that I've had in the beach. Ben was really young, and Grace was actually born there, and we had this beautiful front uh, front balcony that we could sit out on, and we were literally 150 meters from the water, so we could just shoot down to the beach anytime we wanted. And so that whole summer has some amazing memories kind of across the spectrum. But uh, one of them certainly was that also was the first time that was the first summer when you could get Red Racer IPA in cans. And they were still in the short cans uh, at the LCBO. And I probably bought five or six flats of that beer throughout the summer. And so no one particular time just that summer drinking short cans of Red Racer IPA, either sitting on the balcony or even just sitting at my computer during work or walking down to the beach with the kids because they were small and looked like pop cans, um, whatever. That that for me was fantastic, fantastic IPA. Uh, and then the last, and again, it's something I talked about, but uh, was the time that I had Karma Citra at the Cask Challenge and it was blind and I just immediately knew what it was and how much I loved it. And then the humor of having to kind of go back and remark all the previous beers to kind of create enough headroom for that space for Karma Citra to be in. Uh, those, those were my three top sort of IPA moments in my experience drinking beer. So how's your list looking? It's looking good. I, I completely agree with you. That was going to be my story is that whenever, whenever I think to a favorite beer or a top beer, I always think about time and place, and I guess I know there have been a bunch of folks that have written blog posts and articles about this in the past, but I completely agree with those who say that a, a beer is about more than just the flavor of the beer. Uh, I don't think I, I would have a favorite beer if I had cracked open a can and enjoyed it in a dark basement at home by myself. Uh, usually a beer a beer could taste really great in that environment, but it's not necessarily going to leave you with a, a memory that will stick with you when, you, when you're when you thinking about beer versus beer versus beer. Um, so most of my favorite beers usually have some sort of a, a memory or um, a time and place that I associate with it. And oftentimes, uh, if that's something that's a happy memory or I had a really good time, I think that can really just enhance the flavor of the beer and leave you with a, a better memory of the beer than just the flavor of the beer alone. Um, so some of my favorites, um, and this is a, sort of a predictable answer, I guess, because it's a, one of the a, a top IPA in the U.S., 
um, would be Hetty Topper. And I know that's maybe not a fair answer because I believe it's it's a double IPA. I might be wrong about that. Is it? It is. It is a double, a double IPA, yeah. You know what's really funny? Actually, most of the beers in my list are double IPAs. And <laughs> you could probably chalk that up to our previous conversation about uh, hop obsessions dulling our beer palates. Clearly, uh, <laughs> that's why you, you, you disagreed is because you are, you are a victim of it. And uh, this is your addiction speaking. <laughs> that wasn't you, Mandy. That wasn't the real you talking there. That was your addiction. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe the article is, is correct in that I I need bigger, bolder IPAs and in order to enjoy them. And so all of my favorite IPAs tend to be double IPAs or imperial IPAs. <laughs> um, and you'll see that in the list as I go through it. So Hetty Topper, uh, this wasn't a, an experience in someone like grabbing me a can and bringing it back across the border and, and enjoying it randomly here in Ontario. We actually got to go to the, the brewery when we were down skiing uh, in Vermont. Wow. And we had gone in on the weekend and they were completely sold out of beer. So I, I got to experience just walking through the door, seeing empty shelves, um, feeling like that was a real bummer. But it was a long weekend for us in, uh, in Canada and it wasn't a long weekend in the U.S. And so we were heading back on the Monday, fortunately. So they said they were canning some up on the Monday morning. Uh, come on in and, and pick it up on your way out of town. So we went back into the brewery on Monday morning. People were rolling out dollies with seven, eight, nine, two fours of Hetty Topper at a time. That's and there crazy. was a huge lineup like down the front porch and down the sort of the street in front of the brewery. And you like, you couldn't get your car in and out of the parking lot. And this was first thing when they opened, it was like 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning. And I don't know if that extra hype associated with the beer created something else in my mind that really made me enjoy it that much more. But when we cracked those cans, when we got home, man, oh man, were they ever were they ever amazing? And it was like almost as fresh as it gets, right? Like we've talked about in past episodes, it had just been canned. You didn't just have mm-hmm. one like at the brewery? Like you didn't just open one in the car in the parking lot or something? No, you know I'm not big, big on drinking at 10 a.m., right? Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking coffee right now as we beer podcast. Yeah. Uh, so we waited till we, we got back across the border. We waited till we got home. Uh, but it, man, it was just so, so good. So fresh. That actually, by the way, was the first time I ever had Hetty Topper was from that hall. Unless you've done that more than once. But it was uh-huh. Mark and I were doing the, the Brewmance show that we were we did for a while. And he had it and he was like, let's have one. So that was the very first time I had Hetty too. So Oh, that's right. I've forgotten about that. Um, as people were wandering out with the uh, the dollies of like seven or eight two fours. And mind you, a, a two four is like 70 something dollars. Mm-hmm. People were rolling into their cars with like tons and tons of two fours. It was crazy. Um, we're like, should we buy more of this? <laughs> we really weren't sure if we were buying enough. I think we bought a couple of six packs and that was it. Um, but it was just so good. Amen. And, uh, my next favorite double IPA was a, a much more recent example. The, the Hetty Topper example is probably from, geez, how long would that have been? Chris, how long ago? Like four years maybe? Yeah. Three, three or four, four years. years. Like it's quite, quite a while ago. Oh, um, maybe that- not that far back. Maybe it was a separate Hetty Topper haul. Cause I'm just thinking, it was, you guys were getting ready to launch Left Field kind of as we were finishing the, the show. Yeah, so about three years. Oh, okay. A little over three years ago, that would have been. Yep, sounds good to me. Uh, so that memory's really stuck with me because I've had a lot of really great IPAs between between then and now, but that one's just so good. Um, so more recently, when we were down in Portland at the Craft Brewers Conference, uh, we we were able to go to the, the welcome ceremony sort of thing or welcome gala. And it took place in a stadium and all the beers were set up around the concourse of a stadium. Uh, I think it was a basketball stadium. Hmm. And uh, 
a brewery called Fatheads was pouring a double IPA called Head Shrinker. There were just groups and groups and groups of people from Ontario, like different Ontario craft brewery people, standing around this one booth, and we were all sort of passing around and sipping the same double IPA called Head Shrinker. It was completely mind blowing. It was so good, and so we had such a great experience with it that we went back to the uh, we went to the Fatheads Brew Pub, uh, and we grabbed a, a growler of it to bring back. Uh, bring back for the team as much as we hate growlers we brought it back for the team to to taste it and enjoy it at the brewery and even like three days after getting getting it back it was amazing it was so fresh and so much like juicy citrus it was tropical fruit it was delicious but that again another double ipa and then uh i have two ontario examples go for uh, you can have four i'll give you that i completely love and for me they're kind of tied one's a double ipa the other's not um, so Nickelbrook's Immodest Double IPA. I've mm-hmm. had a more recent version of the can of that. Actually, both of the beers that I that I'm going to tell you here have uh, they were from the only. So at at the only craft beer fests, um, I think which relate to that sort of time and place thing. So Immodest Double IPA and then Great Lakes Karma Citro. The first time I had tried both of those beers were at uh, at the only during craft beer fest, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just incredible IPAs. Love them both very much. Fantastic. Uh, what do you guys got coming up? I think I'm, we one more thing in the show notes, but I'm going to leave that. We can do that anytime. So, what uh, what do you what what's new for Left Field? You got a dog? Anything else? The dog is the the big latest thing. But beer wise, we are getting ready to bring back another version of Prospect or Single Hop IPA, mm. uh, Single Hop IPA series rather. So this one will be featuring Simcoe, which is a hop we haven't used before in the the Prospect series. And it's a hop I love. It's a good yeah. uh, dual use hop. It's good bittering and uh, aroma hop. So mm-hmm. we just uh, we just uh, rocked a bunch of the casks yesterday and dry hopped with. Of course, Simcoe. You can't use an you can't use another hop in a single hop IPA. That's true. Um, so we dry hopped with Simcoe, and uh, we're hey, you guys feel s- any pins of that, or just firkins? Yeah, we have uh, we have a handful of pins. You don't, you want to throw a piece of masking tape on one of those and write Castor's Lounge on it? Yeah, let me uh, make sure no they're not all allocated at the brewery, but I think we can arrange for that to to happen. That'd be fantastic. That's um, that's just how easy it is, by the way, guys. If you want to make an order with Love Field, step one: start a podcast with Mandy. Step two. Place an order while recording the podcast. And then you just can't say no, can you? Well, you could and just make me edit it out, so that's fine. <laughs> I think we should be all right. They were, yeah, we, we just filled the casks yesterday, so uh, I don't think they're all allocated. We do like to keep as many of them for ourselves as possible now that we have the tap room. Right, of uh, course. It gives us Especially the pens, I guess. That's a bit easier to get through, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I hope to bring one down with me to the brewer's backyard on Canada Day. Oh, cool, um, yeah. So we'll, we'll be down at the Brickworks, and I'll be pouring most likely Sunlight Park Saison, uh, Maris Ar Pale Ale, Aoife's Oatmeal Brown Ale, and then uh, hopefully a cask of the, the Prospect. Uh, so That, that be by the way, was time. a great segue into what else you're doing, namely the Brewer's Backyard on Wednesday. Yeah, so those are the next couple of big things we have coming up. Uh, a new beer in very limited supply. We'll just have the one batch of it. Um, we'll probably bottle off uh, a handful of bottles, and you can find it around town on draft. And then also, of course, at the Brewer's Backyard. And I'll be holding on to a bunch of kegs of that to pour at the Toronto Festival of Beer in July. That's fantastic. For mm-hmm. myself, I got nothing coming up. I'm living the dream. Uh, actually, that's not entirely true. We're probably moving in August, which is going to be something of a nightmare, but it'll be for the better. So sort of like ripping off a Band-Aid, got to do it. So we're going to do that. But I've, I don't know, I'll be at the only summer 
beer festival probably i won't be at toronto festival of beer because i'll be in muskoka at my friend's wedding and although i might make it i'm pretty excited uh to uh session muskoka which of course is up in bracebridge and i've wanted to go to pretty much since its inception and i've never made it for um, myriad reasons but i think i think this year i'm gonna make it which is pretty exciting so that uh, that'll be something if i make it up there that's a fun one. I can't believe you had, haven't been to it before. You're really going to enjoy it. Like you're going to, I'll predict that you're going to really enjoy the, just the atmosphere and the, the vibe that goes on at that fest. It's so relaxed. If you can imagine like how you feel when you go to cottage country, plus a beer festival on top of that, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's exactly what you would expect it to be, but it's just so relaxed and so much fun. Oh yeah. That, uh, that sounds fantastic. I'm, I'm seriously so excited. I, uh, I do hope I make it, uh, hope everything goes to plan there. So that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in, Toronto. Mandy, uh, probably see you at the brewery when we come to visit the pup. Yeah, uh, please do come visit the pup, and can't wait to see how the how the kids like our little non-stuffed toy. <laughs> that's fantastic. Thanks for listening, Toronto. We'll uh, we'll talk to you in about two weeks.